0: first day that we all piled into trucks to head up the mountain to do some work at the Sarita School, it was pouring rain. I mean, pouring rain. And we get not even halfway up the mountain, and we see the box truck that is carrying 10 stoves. And we say stoves that they are really heavy stoves. And it is off to the side of the road. So we pull up behind it, and they have a flat tire in the rain on the mountain, filled with these stoves. So they're trying to figure out how to fix this thing, and you've got guys out in the mud, and they're working stuff, and They can't figure it out and they're trying to get the lug nuts off and they won't come off and so guys get out of our truck and they start getting around and then another truck pulls up and guys get out of that truck and pretty soon there are nine of us standing there staring at the tire and it's not doing anything. We could not get the lug nuts off that sucker to change the tire until we finally figured out It was not Lefty Lucy, (laughs) but I'll tell you what, we tightened those things like you wouldn't believe and eventually going backwards, we got them off and fixed it and what we're going to talk about today is how do we know the right direction? How do we know the right thing to do? We were convinced that by turning it the way we were turning it, it was going to come off eventually. We even went and got a giant pipe to give us more leverage because we knew we were going to get this thing off and it was the wrong direction. How do you know what the right thing is? That's where we start this morning. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. Throughout Lent, we're going to just go right through Mark 14 all the way up to the garden. It was now two days before the Passover, right in the middle of the week. Jesus is almost to the point where he's going to die. Before the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread the most significant festivals in the first century. Jews would travel from everywhere to Jerusalem to celebrate. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to arrest him by stealth and kill him, for they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar from the people. So here's one group, the religious leaders, and their goal during this time is to arrest and kill Jesus. That's what they're doing. Verse 3. And while he was at Bethany, and if Jerusalem sits here, and you go down into the valley and then up on the hill, Bethany is right here. You can look across and see Jerusalem. While he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Second group or person is this unnamed woman, and she brings this alabaster flask that's very costly. She comes in, she breaks it, she anoints Jesus with it. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, indignantly, and the some are disciples of Jesus. This is our third group. They are indignant. They are angry at this as they watch her do this. They said to themselves, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. A denarii is about a day's labor. So this is about a year's worth of work. It was just broken and wasted, and they're angry at this. And it could have been given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you want, you can do good for them. You will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Three groups, one question. How do we know what the right thing is? Number one. When the focus is on Jesus. When the focus is on Jesus. Right, notice how Jesus describes what she did. He says, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Right, you need to picture this. Here's a room full of disciples. And here comes this woman. We don't even get her name in this account. And she just walks in the room. And her eyes are on one person only. And as she carries this alabaster flask worth a year's wages, she ignores the questions and the rumblings and the judgments and everything else because she sees him. And she comes in and she does this for him. That's where her focus is. And Jesus says, leave her alone. Her focus is on me. And that is a beautiful thing. Now, if we look at our first group, the religious leaders, their focus is not God. It is not Jesus. Because Jesus has been teaching them for three years. And his teaching, it was, had far more authority than their own scribes. Not only did his teaching have authority, but he was witnessing, demonstrating to them that he was who he says he was by healing people, by exercising demons, but they are so focused on retaining their control, they can't even see Jesus for who he is. All they can say are things like this, well, you cast out demons by Satan himself, and Jesus goes, that makes no sense. If, Jesus is, if Satan is casting out his own demons, how is that helpful? They come up with all kinds of things to make it so Jesus isn't who he says he is because their focus is not him. They are not truly watching what he is doing, what he is teaching, who he is. They are far more concerned with, rega- with retaining control. His own disciples, they too don't get it. I mean, they've been with him for three years. They've watched the way that he has helped people and treated people and the way he's helped the poor. They were sitting there when he said about the woman who put a little tiny bit in. She put more than anybody else. But their focus isn't Jesus. Their focus is the Jesus they want him to be. Their focus is, hey, when you go into your kingdom, can we be on your right and left? They can't see him for who he is because their focus isn't really on him. It's on how they are defining him. He'll be this kingly messiah. If you want to know the right thing, it starts with a focus on Jesus. My family has been doing riddles for dinner. My kids love them. We like pull them up online and we'd read riddles and go around and try to figure them all out and And one of the riddles that we were doing, and I don't know if you call this a riddle or not, but you pull up a screen, and it has a picture of an iPhone on it, and it says, it's got an arrow, and it says swipe left to open. And so I'm swiping, and it's not doing anything, and I'm swiping, and it's not doing anything. My daughter's swiping, it's not doing anything. She gives it back to me, I'm like, oh, it must be something wrong here, and we're doing this, doing this. Then I hand it to my wife, And I'm doing this. My daughter's doing this, following the arrow. And my wife goes, and it opens right up. She said, it said swipe left. (laughs) What did we do? We followed the arrow. Not the directions. We were not focused on the right thing. If you are not focused on the right thing, it is really hard to do the right thing because you'll be acting out of either fear or a desire to control, that was the religious leaders, or you're like the disciples and you're working out of your preconceived idea about what Jesus wants or who he is or what he should be or what you want him to be, instead of focusing on him and saying, what is it that you want? Number one, we know we're doing the right thing or we know what the right thing is when we focus on Jesus. Number two, when we pay attention to timing, Jesus continues his defense of her, verse seven, for you always have the poor with you and whenever you want, you can do good for them, but you will not always have me. He says, my time is limited. Like, this is actually the moment. She is paying attention. This is the moment this should be done. Because in a couple of days, I'll be dead. She is paying attention to the timing. The religious leaders, they are not. It's interesting that this account starts with, it's two days before Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Those are such significant celebrations. And yet they're paying no attention to those celebrations. They're so fixated on trying to get rid of Jesus, they can't even recognize the time. They can't recognize what they should be doing right now because there is a time for certain things, and we need to pay attention to that timing. The disciples, I love what he says to them, although it's kind of convicting. You'll always have the poor with you. Listen to this. Whenever you want You can do good for them. I guarantee you right now, they are getting upset because they are deflecting. Jesus says to them, you can serve the poor anytime you want. You just need to actually go out and do it. You're not, but you could. But they don't recognize the timing of it. The timing matters. We just had this mission trip. We've had seven years of mission trips. This was my time. There's a number of things that led to that, but this was my time to go. We need to pay attention to what it is God is doing. You need to be open because God may year after year after year say, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And then at one point, he suddenly goes, now's the time. I want you to do it now. I want you to give now. I want you to go now. Timing matters. On Christmas Eve, 1914, right on the Western Front, right as the war had begun only a few months earlier, the guns ceased. And Germans and Allied troops began singing Christmas carols. And on Christmas Day, the Germans left the trenches, went across no man's land, saying Merry Christmas in the native language of the Allies. They would end up singing Christmas carols together. They would end up exchanging gifts, cigarettes. And there is record that they even had a game of soccer. Because they recognized the time. It was a different moment on Christmas. The birth of the Savior was a different moment. And they were cognizant of it. And it changed what they did. Be aware of what God is doing. Be aware of what he's doing in your life. Be aware of the seasons and those around us. Because our timing matters. And number three, and I would argue the most important thing, do what you can. Verse eight, she has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. She has done what she could. Here's the interesting thing about serving and about doing the right thing. Just because you do the right thing doesn't mean everything's going to be right. You can only do so much. But part of doing the right thing is doing all you can do. But if you decide to forgive that person, it doesn't mean they're going to accept it. If you decide, I'm going to stop treating this person poorly, it doesn't mean they're going to be okay. If you decide to go on a mission trip, it doesn't mean you're gonna fix all of the problems. Doing the right thing means doing all you can do, even when all you can do doesn't fix everything. It is still the right thing. So, Dave Covey and I spent most of our trip installing those really freakishly heavy stoves. That was our thing. We installed 10 stoves, six of them in homes, and four of them in schools. And the ones in the homes were the most interesting, because these homes, some of them have concrete floors, some of them have dirt. The walls, most of the time, are just boards that are stuck up. You, you walk in, and it is, it is eye-opening, and honestly, by the time you get to the end of the week, you see a concrete floor, and you think it's opulent. You're like, yes, they have concrete! But one of the homes, we learned that the average guy in the village works a whole day, and he makes approximately enough money in a day to buy a hamburger at McDonald's. There, not here. An entire day worth of work, and you can buy a hamburger at McDonald's. So you get an idea of how much money they don't have. So here we are, we're installing the stove, and one of the Guatemalans with us, who's our translator, he comes up to me and he points over there, and he says, they're preparing food for you. They're getting ready to pour Coke for you. But we can't eat food out of the house. And I'm looking at that going, are you kidding me? You work all day long and you can afford a single hamburger and you're trying to feed me? You're trying to give me some of your Coke? Why? Because it was the right thing to do. Because they were willing in that moment they wanted to do something they could not afford that stove they could not install that stove by themselves they wanted to do something later on that day we're exhausted i mean exhausted if you have an apple watch and you keep track of the rings i didn't even have to hit like workout or anything and i tripled my exercise activity i mean it was a ridiculous amount of work we get to the end of the day we're getting ready to leave Well, they're gonna lay concrete for the second part of the kitchen. And Dave Sinclair goes, so who's gonna stay around and help them? Jerk. (laughs) Because that was the right thing to do and most of us out of guilt did it. (laughs) Doing the right thing can be very hard. This lady, She is not wealthy. That jar, yeah, it could have been used to feed the poor. It could have been used to feed her. But she sacrifices that in order to do something beautiful, as Jesus says. She has done a beautiful thing to me. Doing the right thing, it is about focusing on Jesus, paying attention to timing, and giving it all you have, knowing that it probably won't be enough, but you give it all you have anyway. And my encouragement for you, so you know how we found out that the lug nuts went the opposite direction? Burly old Matt Dawson had his leverage pipe and he snapped one of the lug nuts off, just broke the thing. We're like, oh, my goodness, Matt, you're so buff. (laughs) Oh, and we should go the other direction, too. (laughs) And on the lug nuts, it has an L that tells you it's a left hand. We missed all of it. We got it right. But here's the thing about doing the right thing, and tell me if you don't relate to this. More often than not, we are far more willing to do the right things when things go wrong. It's when we get in trouble. It's when somebody gets diagnosed with a terminal illness. All of a sudden, we reevaluate, and now we want to do the right thing. That lug nut snaps off there and we go, wait, 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 let's rethink this. Oh, let's go the other way. Because quite often, it's the negative, hard, challenging things that end up helping us do the right thing. Let's not wait for the lug knot to break off. Let's not wait for the hard things to happen. And instead, as part of this series, rise, let us go, and do the right thing. Here's what the action guide's going to do. It's going to give you time to reflect on where maybe you haven't done the right thing? What is the thing God is calling you to now? What does it look like this week to step into the right thing? Not because necessarily something bad has happened, but because we are followers of Jesus Christ and he calls us to do the right thing. Or in the language of this passage, the beautiful thing. That she did for him. Rise, let us go and do the right thing. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your Son. Thank you for the ways that He lived His life, one as an example, His compassion. His use of his own time, never too busy for those who needed him. His continued seeking after the lost sheep. He was an incredible, beautiful, wonderful example for what we are called to as we live the kingdom life. And we also thank you that he did all he could. But in him, It is everything that needed to be done, that in Christ, all our sins, all our failures can be forgiven. We can be cleansed. We can have a new life. We can rise and go with him to do the right thing, even when it is costly, even when some don't respond like we might want them to. It does not change what you call us to. And it does not change what your son did. Lord, help each person here to leave this place and to go and do the right thing that is right in their life. We ask this in your son's holy name. Amen.